Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good morning, Passion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, we start a new sermon series today called Unoffendable. Unoffendable. As we start this series, I've already offended Catherine over here. Uh, Catherine is the one that I send my notes to to put up on the PowerPoint, President PowerPoint, Lord have mercy, on the screen. That's <laughs> telling my age right there. Lord have mercy. I have struggled with this sermon series. I've been working on this sermon for a while. I have changed my points a thousand times. Went last night to have supper with my kiddos and came home and changed my points again. And stayed up last night until, I don't know, one 130, something like that. Finally, this morning, 730, I sent my my notes to Miss Catherine. So y'all pray for her. She's offended right now. And I came to a realization while I was struggling so hard with this sermon. Because I struggle with this problem. Don't you hate when God does that? This week I, I had something happen that offended me. Not offended and made me mad. It hurt me. And I thought to myself, you know, God, you could have just told me the sermon. You didn't have to make me the sermon. So out of my own personal, usually I get up here and I tell a story or I give you an illustration, but Today, if I can, I just be, I want to be vulnerable. I want to be real. That I probably have this in my own life. I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. Being a PK, my dad never said it, ever, not once. My mother never said it. But there was always this underlining, and I think Pastor Steve can tell you this, there was always this underlining, remember who I am. I'm James Leggett. I'm Bobby e. Lee. Now, I know your dad as well as my dad. They never said those words out loud, never and never would have. But there was always that pressure there. And because of that pressure, you always felt eyes were on you. People were always looking at you. And with that, you always thought people were judging you. So we have a tendency of becoming a little bit offended. I'm not speaking for Pastor Steve. I'm speaking for me. In fact, I would actually say I think Pastor Steve's the opposite. He's not quite that way. He doesn't really seem to let things bother him like they do me. I was in a restaurant a while back. And I never forget as I'm sitting in the restaurant, I notice this person keeps staring at me. And I'm like, 
And I realized after about five minutes, they were looking at the TV behind me. Anybody ever done that before? Don't make me feel bad like I'm the only one in the room, all right? So today, this comes out not, not just a sermon for you, but a sermon for me. I reached out to the staff this week and I said, when you think of the word offended, what do you think about? Someone sent me hurt. In fact, I believe that probably the greatest place of offense comes out of a place of hurt. Resentful. <laughs> Someone sent this one. Church folk. Another person sent this. Wimp. That if you get offended all the time, you're a wimp. Someone sent angry, upset, touchy, sensitive, insecure, closed off, unable to see clearly, viewing everything through offense, bitterness. I went and looked the word up. And offended means this, resentful or annoyed. Typically as a result, and this is the word that I want you to hear, perceived insult. Perceived insult. I'm going to read a passage today. This was something else that God changed for me. I had another passage I was going to read Late last night, God changed it and led me to this passage. And when I read it, give me a minute. Because most of you have read this a different way, and I'm not dismissing that. But I want to lay upon your heart what God laid upon my heart last night. It's out of Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. And it said, Woe to the world because of offenses. Some passage will say sin, stumble. For offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. The, the word there in the Greek means a scandal, a trap, a snare, occasion to fall, a stumbling block. But listen to this. The word also means offense or thing that offends. As you look here in Matthew, what it's saying is this. You live in a world where you're going to experience offense. It's just part of life. It's going to happen. It's going to transpire. But, but he goes and takes it another step further. And he says this. Not only do we live in a world where you'll experience offense, it goes on to say, it must happen. See, it will be out of those offenses, out of those trying times, out of those moments where you got offended, upset, got mad, got angry. The character will be built. But then he says this, but woe to the person that the offense came through. And it doesn't mean woe because of you. In other words, you're going to do something. 
Remember in the verses before he brings the child and he said, the kingdom of God is like a child. And woe to the one who messes with this child. Put a milestone around the neck, throw him in the water. In essence, he's saying this. I'm the one. I'm the one who would take care of the offender, not you. Lord, we thank you for the word we're about to receive. And Lord, I pray that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. I pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name, that not one, not one would leave this house the same way that they came, but be blessed by your word and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to talk to you today about how to strive to live a life not of offense, but of life, put your trust and your faith in God. As I said, I was raised in a home where, again, the words were never said, but because I was a pastor's kid, I've always, well, had this idea that people were looking at me, judging me, and well, then I chose to become a pastor myself. And becoming a pastor myself, it then even, I guess, reaffirmed the idea that I've, People are always looking at you, talking about you, or judging you. In my struggles last night, finally, the Lord gave me three things that I want to share with you today. Number one, I want you to write this down. Offense isn't inflicted by others, but by ourselves. Offense isn't inflicted by others, but by ourselves. See, most of the time we don't realize that when we're struggling with offense in our life, it's not that we're offended by others and it's not that we've allowed them to make us offended. The offense, it comes because of us. This is what it says here in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Have you ever met someone offended and easily offended? They're hard to deal with. They're hard to to work with. They're always mad. You're always afraid that that next thing you say is going to upset them. But the Bible right here begins to to lay out something very important for us, and I, I want you to understand this, that we make the choice to be offended or not. That most of the time when we're offended, someone hasn't even really done what we think they've done. Most of the time when we're offended, it's something that we've made up in our mind. And that we have to make a decision to find out the origins of where offense comes from. First, offense is stirred up by our insecurities. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop being so insecure. See, many times when we're struggling with offense, it's really not that it's coming from somebody else. It's it's really not what they've done. Many times our offense really comes because of us, our insecurities, our, our bad situations, our shortcomings, our past failures and problems, our disappointments and letdowns. 
the way that we perceive others, the things that we have experienced, the things that we have gone through have begun to cloud our judgment. And what begins to happen is through those insecurities, the devil strategically begins to play upon those problems in our lives. You know, it's kind of like if you, you ever bought a car, and when you bought the car, somebody goes, nope. <laughs> when you buy the car, you never really noticed one beforehand. But now that you bought that car, you see them everywhere. The, the car that I have is, is kind of pretty, a fairly rare car. You don't, you don't see a lot of them. But, but last night on the way home from the restaurant, I passed two of them. And I noticed them right away. In fact, it made me mad. I want to roll down the window and say, quit. I'm the only one allowed on this road with this car. See, what happens is the devil knows where you struggle and he knows where your insecurities are. So what the devil will do is he knows where that thought is that, that has been planted because you know who probably planted that thought? The devil. And he will plant those thoughts in your mind and then play upon them. You walk in the door, come here today. I walk in the back door and I look over and Kenny Love's looking at me. And he's got a mean look on his face. And I'm thinking, who's he think he is? Why is he judging me? My, my sweatshirt looks just as good as his. I know what he's thinking. What was he thinking when he wore that sweatshirt today? That's the stupidest looking thing I've ever seen. He's judging my fashion sense. Who does he think he is judging my fashion sense? Now, I know what it is. He thinks because he's younger, he can dress like he wants to, but I can't dress the way I want to. Who do you think you are? You know we've all done it. We will start out from a look, and by the end of the look, we have made that person the worst villain in the world because the devil will play on our insecurities. Amen? In fact, that, that leads me to point number two. Write it down. Offense is mostly fueled by theories and fairy tales instead of truths and facts. I love this passage, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and a shame to him. In other words, collect all the facts. Know the truth. Don't jump to conclusion. Don't make that leap to where you've already decided in your mind what they're doing. See, the number one problem most of the time with offense is we have already wrote the story and the plot in our mind before we know anything about how they feel. See, we allow offense to take root in our life and in our thoughts, and we've already condemned the person for what we think they think about us when the truth be told they don't think nothing about us. Years ago, a guy came to me, him and his wife were leaving the church. I said, what's going on? The lady said, well, I'll be honest with you. Your wife keeps giving me mean looks from the stage. I said, well, I understand. I get them all the time. <laughs> At first, it, it took me back. I didn't know what to say because... I'm thinking, my, my wife's giving you mean looks. And finally I said, well, if I can be honest with you, when my wife comes up to speak, the way the lights are on the stage, she can't see you in the audience. She can't see you out there. And I said, 
second of all, my wife just has a mean look on her face sometimes. It's, it's not intently toward you. It's just part of who she is. That's terrible. True, but terrible. And I'll never forget going to my wife and telling her what this person, she said, I've never even looked at that woman. I don't know what she's talking about. And I told the woman, I said, I promise you, she cannot see you. If you're not on the front row beyond there because of the lights, because when she would come on stage, the lights were on on the stage. And then from about here back, everything was dark. But that woman had decided in her mind that my wife from the stage was giving her the evil eye and giving her mean looks, and they were actually leaving the church because of those mean looks. Can you believe that? See, that's what we do. We will make up false narratives in our mind. Most of the time, an offense has nothing to do with what that person actually did. An offense really boils down to the fact of what we've made up in our minds. That before we start down the road of offense, stop for a second and say, wait a minute, maybe the fairy tale that I have created in my mind isn't true. Maybe the person that I'm blaming for my offense maybe hasn't done anything wrong. But let me give the hard evidence, the facts, the truth. That what I, I don't want to do is just go ahead and make up in my mind that what they've done is real. See, we have to learn as believers. Can I tell you, one of the greatest things that will help you to overcome offense, give the benefit of the doubt. That before I know they did something wrong, I'll assume they did something right. Before I assume the worst, I'll believe the best. Before I think they're talking about me. Have you ever walked in a room and when you did, everybody stopped talking? Maybe there was two people at the front of the church and, and you walked in the back and, and they stopped talking and you were saying, oh, they're talking about me. Yeah, I, I, I know they are. They're talking about me. They're, they're, they're speaking ill of me. I know, I know they are. I know they are. What are they saying? What did I do wrong? I know what is, what's going on. Maybe they were gossiping about somebody else. Maybe they weren't talking about you. But we assume because for us, everything's about us. Do you know the most important word to any individual? Their name. And because we are a selfish people, what we do is think everybody is thinking about us. I, I, I walk in the room and, and let's say, Miss Esther's sitting there talking to Reese. They're talking. I walk in, they get quiet all of a sudden. What's Miss Esther saying about me? What's my, I, mean, I know she may not like my sermon today, but she got to talk about me. I, I mean, I, I know I stumbled over a few words, but who is she, a school teacher? And y'all laugh. You know why you laugh? Because we all do it. We jump to conclusion. I've already condemned Miss Esther that she's the worst person in the world. She was talking about me. And then you know what I do. How dare she talk about me? That's gossip. And you know what you do? You walk out, get on the phone, and go gossip about her. Do you know what Miss Esther did to me? She was talking bad about me at the altar where God could strike her down and send her to hell. These are the roads we take, the paths we go down. 
that Proverbs is saying right there. He who answers a matter before he hears it, that's folly. Stop making up things in your mind. Stop being, can I tell you, look at your neighbor and say, stop being paranoid. And listen, let me say this. I am not just preaching it, y'all. I'm speaking to my, I'm, ask my wife. I am so analytical. No, no, no. Somewhere the Bible says women would be silent in church. She's offended. <laughs> the, 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 I, I know I am. I'm analytical. In fact, I'll tell you the truth. When we're having a conversation, two conversations are going on. What you're saying and what I think you're saying. My wife, no lie, my wife will say to me sometimes, what I'm saying is what I'm saying. She says that to me sometimes. And I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I know it's there. When I was dealing with that thing this week, I called my brother. I said, can I, can I just talk to you a second? I said, I need some help. I said, because I've got something in my mind and I don't want to be there. And I began to share with him. And he said, oh my God, you're just like me. He said, is a legate trait he said, Dad even had the same problem. We would jump to conclusions. And I said, then I've got a question. If what happened happened, would you be mad? He goes, no, yeah, I would. That leads me to my next point. When you stop taking things personal, offense will stop taking you as a prisoner. When you stop taking things personal, offense will stop taking you prisoner. See, one of the last things I want you to hear is this. There will be people that offend you. And there will be people who come against you. And there will even be people who talk bad about you. But when you come to the place in your life, and that's finally what my brother said, he goes, yes, John, if I can be honest, yes, if what happened happened, I would be offended, I would be mad. But John, it doesn't make it right. That we live in a world, a broken world, where people will gossip and, and people will talk and, and people will put down and people will make fun of and people will gossip about. It's part of life. But there comes a moment in my life where I decide, am I going to be offended by what people say or make a decision not to live in that prison of offense? Stop taking things so personal. Well, pastor, how bad if it is personal to make a personal decision not to hold on to it? Make a decision to, to let it go. Make a decision in your life that, yes, you know what? They may have talked about you. Can I tell you the greatest way to overcome offense in your life? It's called grace. Well, pastor, they were talking about me. Have you never talked about somebody? Well, Pastor, they made fun of me. Have you never made fun of somebody? Well, Pastor, they got mad and said mean things to me. Have you ever said mean things to somebody? 
See, when we come to the place in our life to say, you know what, the very thing they're doing to me, I've done to someone else, and I ask for their forgiveness, and I ask for their grace, then you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give them grace. Remember Matthew 18 said, woe to the the person that offense comes through. See, the way that we overcome offense in our life is when we as a believer decide, I'll let God fight my battles. I'll let God deal with my offense. See, what I do in the spiritual, what I let God take care of in the spiritual, He'll fix in the natural. But what I try to fix on my own in the natural blocks God from taking care of it in the spiritual. See, Matthew is saying, listen, we live in a place that you're going to be offended. He said, not only that, you're going to have to face offense. It's a must. Why? Because it builds character, makes you stronger, gives you the ability to overcome the next time. But when it happens, you choose not to fight it on your own. See, the best way to overcome offense is to step out of the offense. Say, God, I give it to you. Now, let me say this. God may not always deal with it the way you want him to. Years ago, we had a man leave our church because someone told him that I said he was stealing never said it the words never came out of my mouth I never even alluded to it he didn't come and ask he just quit and left he finally got back to me and I finally got a hold of him and said I don't know who told you that I didn't say that he wouldn't believe me and I'll never forget on a date not me and my wife and a friend and his wife were sitting in the restaurant and I hear this gasp and it's my wife I said what's wrong and she shows me Facebook and this guy had run me in the ground who was once my friend who I loved dearly on Facebook ran me in the ground and I sat at that table trying my best to fight back the tears and I just started bawling I was so upset my wife like what are you going to do and I said nothing 
nothing I can't do. No defense I can raise. God is my defense. She didn't take that to heart. Unbeknownst to me, she texts that man and said to him, my husband sits at a table right now crying because of what you just said about him when he's done not a thing to you. But I still did not defend myself. That man and his wife today are back in our church because I chose not to fight. And let me say, that is not my nature. I'm a fighter. Been most of my life. Been in too many fights that I can't count. And I don't say that braggadocially. Braggadocious. Forget it. I'm embarrassed that I'm that way. My first, my first defense is to fight. But I've had to learn all these years to resist that. Because what I do in the natural keeps God from doing in the spiritual. And when I step back from offense and say, God, for every rhyme and reason, I have the right to retaliate, to fight back. But God is saying, if you'll stay there and you let me step in, I'll take care of it. I'll work it out. I'll make it all the better. You've got to trust me. God, listen, can I tell you really what offense is? It's not trusting God to take care of your problems. So here's the first thing. Offense really does not come from somebody else. It comes from you. You're the one who chooses to be offended. Second, most offense is something made up in your mind. It's a fairy tale. It's not real. It's not true. But here's the last thing. Even if they are doing what you think they're doing, and they are trying to hurt you. Do you not think your God is big enough to fight your battle? Today I am preaching to the choir. For the age of 53 years old, I wish, oh, how I wish I'd already learned this lesson. But I still struggle. The first way of overcoming a problem is knowing you got a problem. The second thing is knowing what causes it. I know I struggle with insecurities in my life. But when I trust that I'm a child of the Most High God, if I'll follow His ways, do His will, God will take care of me. Will you bow your head, close your eyes?
If you're struggling today with offense, you get offended a lot. Or maybe it's not a lot, but right now you're living in the land of offense. And you need God to help you with that. Would you raise your hand? Yes. Yes. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, right now, break off that spirit of offense. Let it not have authority or power over them anymore. That, Lord, today they step back and they let you fight the battle. They step back and give you permission to deal with the problem. And the Lord, I pray today, even if, even if someone is coming against them, God, I pray today that they would choose not to be offended, to give grace, to show forgiveness, to give compassion. Here's the second thing. And I want you to look at me real quick. Some of you are not the one that you're always being offended. You're the one always offending. You're a little rough around the edges. You're a little abrasive. Let's just say it. You're a jerk. Stop looking at the... Some of you went... way I am but the way you are is wrong stop making excuses for it well, I'm just not a happy person you should be if you're a Christian because you got the joy of the Lord yeah but you don't know what's happened to me then stop living in the past step out but pastor you don't understand what everybody's done to me I'm going to get them before they get me horrible mentality because the world's not against you. And the reason why people keep hurting you is because you're hurting them first. So close your eyes. If you have a tendency of being the one who offends a lot, raise your hand. Come on. Be honest. Yes. 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 Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. And I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, today, forgive them. For whatever's caused them to be that way, Lord, we understand that we've all got issues that we've got to overcome. But I pray today that, Lord, that, that spirit of offending is broken off their life. Set them free. Bring freedom to their life. I pray right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, one last question, I'll let you go. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, say, Pastor, I'll be honest, if I were to die today, I don't know where I'm going, heaven or hell. But one thing I know is I'm tired of living in this shame, this sin, this sadness. I want to know this loving God that you're talking about. I want to experience His grace today. All you've got to do today to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. 
believe that he is the son of the living God, died on the cross for your sins, rose on the third day to bring you eternal life, and simply with your mouth confess him Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you would like to make him the Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hand right now. Is there anybody? Amen. Is there anybody else? Hallelujah. I've had one raise their hand. Give God praise. I don't want just the one, but I want all of you to say this prayer with me. Say it loud. Say it proud as a Another name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. In fact, this is the fourth name today. We've had four people come to know Jesus. Amen. So everyone say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.